Hey, I'm Peter Tomasi. All right, Super Sons, and check out my creator-owned stuff, House of Penance, Light Brigade, and the Mighty, a Dark Horse. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Excellent. And the people listening at home do not know how long the road we have taken to get to that woohoo tonight. I think we should explain it just so they they know the the trials and tribulations we go through to get this to them every friggin' multiple times a week. Yes. It's it's all based on shitty-ass Microsoft. Yes. And this isn't isn't an an us-versus-them or... Mac versus Windows. This is this is just a case of software not doing what it's been doing and doing well. It's just if you have something that works consistently for a set period of time and then it doesn't work, there's a problem. And and the reasons why it doesn't work are vague unclear all over the place could be anything but then all of a sudden it works again when you upgrade and then it decides not to work like that's the problem we're having with skype and the problem was unique to myself we had this weird problem where i couldn't hear the guys and but they could hear me um so i had a downgrade to a an earlier version of skype 7.5 some things, 5.3 or whatever it was. And it worked fine for months. We've been using this version for months on my MacBook, and it has worked flawlessly. Then all of a sudden, uh, as of last week, and you heard about this last episode, as of last week, I was getting Skype not available in the little crying face, which is my life, by the way. But I got this this error message, and I'm like, what the hell? So I installed Skype on my Linux machine, and David recorded last episode, which worked out really well. It sounded good. No problems. And so um, between then and now, I tried different builds of Skype, 7 point something, um, later than the one I was using. It would not connect. And then I said, okay, let me try something for shits and giggles. I up to the most recent version of Skype, and lo and behold, Skype worked fine, which told me something then. But David's escapades tonight confirmed it. David tried to get on Skype, who was also not using the most recent version, and what did he get when he tried to log in? Skype is temporarily unavailable. Yes, the same error message that I got last week, which now confirms to me that Microsoft is killing any version of Skype that they don't want you to use. So as is their right, it's free software, they own it. Yes, yes, it is their right, but but and 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 what I believe it's doing and I don't have confirmation on this, but what my educated guess is that when you attempt to log into the Skype server, it notices what version you're using. And if it's not on the the okay list, you're not getting in. And that that seems to be the problem with me, and now you had the exact same problem. So that tells me that that's what's going on. And it's not a conspiracy theory, and and, and David's right that it is their right. They're they're offering a free bit of software, and they can control and, and 
drive the ship as they see fit, but it's a pain in the ass when you're trying yep. to produce content. And what if this happened next episode when we have a guest? Like, it, it, it looks terrible when you have a professional that you want to talk to, and it's like, oh, hang on a second. We're having problems with Skype. That's bullshit, you know? And it's just, it's unreliable. But again, you get what you pay for. So we are desperately trying to find a source that is reliable and not controlled by Microsoft that we could use to produce this show for you. But the big problem, the big elephant in the room is we have to then ask these comic professionals to use this 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 service as well, which is kind of lame. A lot of people have Skype installed on their machines. It's easy. They know how to use it. They're familiar with it. If we ask them to use rad VoIP connector, you know, or something like obscure, it's going to be a drag for them to install it, get a login. So we can't ask them to do that. We have to use Skype to a certain extent, but it's just that's the shit we go through to bring this thing to you every 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 week. Just so you know. Yeah. And and by the way, <laughs> now now that that's all all been taken what care of, what are we bringing them? We are bringing you Eleven O'clock Comics episode five hundred and ninety. Ninety. By by golly, and I am Vince B, y'all. You are Vince B. Love you, brother, y'all. I'm Mary Poppins, Uh, (laughs) y'all. Great. Um, I am uh, David A. Price. You are. And if you haven't noticed, Jason is not with us again. No. No. He's got stuff to do. And he doesn't know this, but I have created a tag on the website. That every time Jason is AWOL, I'm going to tag the episode. And at the end of the year, we're going to do a little search for this tag and see how many times he has not appeared on the show. I hope he doesn't listen to this because then he'll be he'll be privy to it. But, yes, there's been a special tag created for Jason's absences. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's... We got to do what we got to do. I mean, the, the, the tag for my absences will probably come up maybe twice. If that, if that, mine, if that, mine will be non-existent yeah. because I'm, Look, I'm. That's 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 cute. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cute that you say that. I mean, it, uh, I'll I'll just nod and and yeah, and look at you. But it, it's uh, I'll be the I'll be the I'll be the, the little boy in the gif in the school picture with the just the or face. The, the kid, no, uh, the girl in the. Is that a boy? I th- I thought it was a girl. No, it's the blonde girl. Oh, that's that's, that's the one I love. About. The kid in, like the pajamas, just with the. Oh. Uh, you need to get a tad louder while I tell them about I, the place to go to save on comic books and collectibles. There's only really one place to go. It's Discount Comic Book Service, where you can get your comics, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for much less than everybody else is paying. The uh, list is up, has been for a couple of weeks, and the specials are pretty damn amazing. Uh, we selected three from Image Comics. Jeff Lemire, Dustin Wen are doing the flip side to their Descender series. This one is called, no surprise, Ascender. Cool little conceptual flip. Um, cover price is three ninety nine, but you can bring it home for a paltry dollar ninety nine. Paltry, paltry. From Ahoy Comics, they have uh, launched or they've set sail. Uh huh. Onto season two of thank you on Ahoy Comics, and uh, one of the first titles is called Bronze Age Boogie, which is written by Stuart Moore and Tyrone Finch, with art by Alberto Ponticelli and Elaine Morissette, um, or Marseille. 
Uh, it's got Kung Fu, Sword and Sorcery, Cosmic Adventure, Apes, Monsters, in a nutshell, everything 70s. Um, cover price is what? three ninety nine. You get that book in your greedy little hands for 45% off that $2.19. And last but certainly not least, the modern Prometheus uh, retold in a vein where Mary Shelley not only not she didn't conjure the events of the Frankenstein novel from her imagination. She actually lived it. It's from Aftershock. It's called Mary Shelley Monster Hunter Number 1, written by Adam Glass and Olivia Briggs, with art by Hayden Sherman. Uh, cover price, you know it, three ninety nine. But you, because you're super savvy, are getting it for half that. You're bringing it home for $1.99. What could be better? Discount Comic Book Service does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books right to your door. Hello. Hello. It's the best thing Jerry. in the world. Yes. Uh, a Taco Bell drive through is more difficult than DCBService.com. It is. Uh, except when you're done. Or when it's on fire. Right. Yeah. Woot, woot. What you drinking? Oh, well... The barefoot is gone oh, as of last episode. Jesus. Rest yeah. in penis. Rest in penis. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> I am not, unfortunately, drinking the penis noir. This is uh, Cabernet Sauvignon oh. from Livingston. And you're going to chide me, but it comes in a big old jug, like Emmett Otter's jug band. It's a giant jug of, of wine. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I don't care. It tastes good. I I will not chide you for that. Um, I had a hell of a weekend, so um, I am not drinking wine tonight. I am uh, enjoying my, my third <gasps> glass of Tin Cup American whiskey. I saw that, and I was going to buy it. Because so good. Physic- I think or- you would like it. It's not, it's not sharp. It doesn't sting. It's it's especially with, with 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 an ice ice cube in it. It is extremely tasty. It goes down real easy. But visually, the fact that they give you a little tin cup that goes on top of the bottle, yes, like, that, that's cool yep. to me. You know, a little shot glass. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I mean, it's not. I have one in the cabinet from the old bottle I had, and now I have. Um, actually, I think I have three altogether, including the bottle I'm currently nursing. Now, do they? Um, slap you for bringing alcohol on a plane like could you load up your suitcase with uh whiskey and shit if you wanted to i think so because it is flammable you know what i mean it is yeah i mean you don't have to google it or anything but i was thinking instead of like oh we're gonna get alternate in chicago Chicago. anyway yeah we'll we'll have yes well there there will be liquor stores but it would be a lot cheaper if we just brought not necessarily it's okay i'm with you i mean well going there because we're not taking it back and because we have to have room for for any books that we don't end up shipping because we are shipping the books we are shipping the books there there should be a ups (laughs) or a fedex inside the center right i'm pretty sure there is in that main like area that we always pass through and yeah there's gotta we'll be find one it'd yeah. be stupid not to have one in there the thing i'm looking forward to most as far as um drinks are concerned steven wooter and his malort malort i like the malort like it a lot 
I don't, I haven't had it enough to say whether or not I like it. I mean, it, th- that night was pretty fun. And with everything else we were drinking, I don't, it's, I mean, I've, I've, I've had some horrible drinks in my life. So, um, to say that, you know, the Malort didn't stand out, um, tells me that it's not as bad, as offensive as, as, as other people tend to say it is. Um, I haven't had too many bad drinks, but I got to say, grapefruit IPA, pretty disgusting. Okay. When you mix um, the hops with the the citrus, I I really don't like it. Not for me. Well, see now, I I do like, I don't mind the the citrus ales or 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 lagers, but I don't. Not so much with grapefruit. Like, you know, obviously I, I, I enjoy my Blue Moon, which of course is, is made with the orange peel, and that's I, I like that. Um That's even too sweet for me. Right. No, I knew it would be. Yeah. Um you, you, you like it, you like the IPAs and Jason likes the stouts and, and, and I prefer the the blondes. I the orbital tilt from <laughs> Captain Lawrence isn't bad. Um and Captain Lawrence is a is a local brewery in, in Westchester County, but it's um but even that, you know, still, it's it's still beer, and it's still like, you know, do I want beer or do I want? Not to say that I can't enjoy a beer, but too heavy. Yeah, yeah, I don't need the bloats. Exactly. Right. But you know what the listeners need? They need they, to hear what we were talking about. What they've been reading. What yeah, they need reading. to hear about the comics, and yeah. because it's just David and myself, and we're a little teeny bit older than Jason. We remember the DC first issue special books. And this, y'all, is another instance of the 11 o'clock comics first issue special episode with no DC. With, with, with no DC. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we've done this before once or twice. Yes. Uh, so this is what's un- unique about this one. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Is that the number ones we are uh, going to mention um, the one or two or three titles. Mm. We're all released this past Wednesday, uh, February 13th. Well, I broke that rule already. No, because no, <laughs> you're not going to talk about that one. We're not going to have time. What? Like, for the two oh, you have right. on your, the th- out of the three you have on your list, I'm limiting you to the two that came out Wednesday. The The third you can actually save for in your travels. Because my in your travels did not come out this week either. Well, I cheated because the two... There's two on my list that did not come out this Wednesday. The the one written by Mr. Ron Mars did not. It came out a while ago. But it's a quick one. But that that's why it's going to be in your travels. But then what about the other one? Oh, I could do the other one? The one that... Uh, the one you wanted and the one that I thought was ugly. Okay, I, yes. Uh, All right, yes. good. We're good then. We're yeah, good. You're good. We're All good. right. Good, my man, my man. Okay. So for my super special spotlight on a number one i went with my heart and chose a book that is based on two movies well one movie franchise and and one one single movie featuring um an actor whom i love very much every everything he's been in has tickled my fancy um they're all in the same vein, more or less. 
but this man is um, Mr. Chin himself, Bruce Campbell. And yes, you are correct. And this Wednesday, this past Wednesday, saw the release of a conceptual smorgasbord because it features not one, but two characters meeting for the very first time, both of which were played by Bruce Campbell. It is, of course, the Army of Darkness, Bubba Hotep, number one, written by Scott Duvall, illustrated by Vincenzo Federici with color art by Michelle Monti. And it is, of course, when you say Army of Darkness, you know who published this. It's Dynamite. Um, Have you ever seen the film Bubba Hotep? I have seen most of it, and that was only because it was... It was I didn't I didn't go searching for it. It was on. I had it on. I came in late, and I didn't see the end. But what I what I did see of it, I thoroughly enjoyed, and still want to see it. Well, it is a masterpiece, I think. Yeah, Don Coscarelli's uh, Bubba Hotep is a veritable masterpiece, and is of course um, adapted from a story by the great Joe R. Lansdale. So if you haven't seen Bubba Hotep. I can kind of sort of get you up to speed before you read this issue. I mean, it's it's the movie is is kind of dense in the fact that there's a lot of weird shit going on and there's a lot of uncertainties in the movie. Long story short, Bruce Campbell plays two characters in this movie. He plays Elvis Presley, maybe, and he plays a character called Sebastian Half. Sebastian Half is an Elvis impersonator. Uh, regarded as one of the best and the king is getting tired of living the life he's getting tired of the drugs and the booze and the women he lost priscilla and he's sick and tired of everybody leeching off him he doesn't have any friends he has people just they're lampreys they're just sucking the lifeblood out of him and so he decides to, to give it all up chuck it all chuck it all in and he goes to this Sebastian half, and he makes a deal with him. He says, you can live my life, my brother, and I can live yours. I'll do, be able to do what I want to do without the, the spotlight and the people s- chewing my bones, and you can fulfill your dream of being me. And that's exactly what happens. They do a little switcheroo, but Elvis uh, takes uh, does what Elvis does. He takes a job as an Elvis impersonator and things are going pretty well for a time until he throws out his hip on stage and falls off the stage and goes into a coma for a while. So he wakes up in a nursing home and, uh, he's, he's going downhill, man. He's, he's getting old. Uh, he's out of shape. He needs a walker to get around and, um, people start dying in the nursing home. Um, one by one, and uh, he notices something's uh, amiss with this uh, progression of events. Uh, to make the story even stranger, there's a man in the nursing home, a black man, played by Ozzie Davis, magnificently played by Ozzie Davis, who purports to be none other than JFK. He cla- it's funny since Ash mentions JFK in this comic book. Well, right. And um, he uh, he he believes that um, he survived the the fateful events of uh, Dallas, and the government implanted sand 
uh, to, to replace the parts of his brain that were blown out by the by the uh, assassin's gunshot and uh, that magic bullet. And uh, they he also claims that the government dyed his skin brown to to conceal the fact that he is JFK. Um, but if you while you're watching the movie, the the interiors of the rooms in which these characters reside speaks volumes because Ash's room. Ash's room. Elvis's room is kind of run down. It's seen better days. It needs a good coat of paint or maybe some wallpaper. Uh, it's low rent. But then JFK's room is presidential. It has carpeting, all beautiful furniture. He can make his own tea in this fine china. So it, it, it lends one to question whether these characters are who they say they are because if the government were planning on hiding JFK, they would afford him the luxury befitting one who assumed the role of president of the United States, let's just say. Mm-hmm. So the que- there's a lot of questions in this, in this movie. Um, again, the, the gist of it is an Egyptian mummy, a feral wannabe. He wasn't King Tut level, but he was maybe Tut's you know, brother or second cousin level. And uh, the body finds its way to Texas and falls. Uh, there's a bus accident and the, the body of the, the pharaoh or the, yeah, the mummy goes into a creek and he manifests himself and starts preying on the souls of the elderly. And because they're not vibrant um, souls. They're, they're people at the end of their days who don't have much to live for. So they're like, the light is kind of dim, but he can keep consuming these souls because it's an old folks home. He has a never ending supply of souls, which to suck. And, and hijinks ensue. There's, there's a, a wonderful, um, nurse played by Ella Joyce who has to put cream on Elvis's pecker. Elvis has a growth at the end of his dick and she, <laughs> she applies cream to it. And uh, no, it's just a great movie. It's a masterpiece, I think. Um, and this Baba Hotep army of darkness. Number one picks up kind of close to the end of, of the movie. It extends the, the continuity of the movie. It begins with Ash Williams, you know, who Ash Williams is, if you've seen uh, of course. Army of Darkness or any of the Evil Dead movies, he's tooling around East Texas. See, he, he's following a lead. He read reports of the king, the one and only Elvis Presley, someone to whom he admired, right? He sees this, he has this newspaper clipping taped to the dash of his car, and he's going to Texas, and, and there are claims that the legend was alive and well and reportedly fought an undead soul-sucking mummy, so he heads over to Mud Creek, specifically the Shady Rest Nursing Home, to to verify the reports, right? And who does he run into at the home but the nurse? Um That was so wonderfully played by Ella Joyce in the film, and Ash wants the dirt. He's like, What's up? I heard Elvis was here and and she rains on his parade. You know, she tells him Elvis was never in the building and they had an occupant named Sebastian Half who thought he was the king, blah, blah, blah. And Ash goes on his way. But as he leaves, he runs into a woman named Dillinger who appears to be modeled after Anne Ramsey from the Goonies. I mean, it's real close. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I throw Mama from the train, right? Yes, yes. And uh, Ash is like, what, does everybody 
pretend to be someone else down here? You know. Uh, so she approaches Ash and tells him the, the king wants to see him. So Ash finally gets to meet Elvis, but he doesn't believe he's the real deal. And and the pair launch into this Elva, Elvis trivia contest. Um, they have a trivia off while they're beating the crap out of each other. And um, they go back and forth with little Elvis anecdotes. And Elvis proves that he's the king. And Ash is in awe. He, he, he's, he's, he's agape. Because standing in front of him is the king. You know, And while all this is going on, something is stirring in the Shady Rest Cemetery. Um, Bubba Hotep claws his way free from a grave. And the headstone reads... Sebastian Half. And when it when Bubba Hotep barges in on Ash and Elvis, it's kind of unclear. The sequentials are not very fleshed out because um, we don't see Bubba Hotep making his way to this um, Elvis's room. But when Bubba Hotep bursts into the room, it's a, it's a big panel, and at the bottom of it, there's a african-american man who looks a lot like ozzy davis did Mm. in in the movie so i'm wondering if he's dragging the corpse of jfk with him before he bar like that that part didn't make much sense to me it's like i said it's not fully fleshed out but maybe it'll play out in later issues i hope it does so um bubba hotep bursts into the scene Uh, our heroes uh, everybody fights Bubba steals Elvis's pharaoh suit, <laughs> which was hilarious. Not my pharaoh suit. No. And, and he mutters some mystical mumbo jumbo. And it's done just like it was in the movie. In the movie, whenever Bubba Hotep speaks, he, he, like, you can't understand him. And animated hieroglyphics come out of his mouth and, and stream across the screen. And it's translated for you, uh, the viewer. Um, so. He, he's uttering this crap, blah, 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 blah. And in true Evil Dead slash Army of Darkness fashion, he opens a portal. And I'll leave the rest to the reader. I want to spoil the whole thing. But the the part of this comic that extends the continuity of the film, it's left very unclear at the end of the film whether Elvis lived or died, which I thought was a great ending. Because it, it left room for a sequel, should the film prove popular, or it's a nice little capper, thinking Elvis lived his entire life and vanquished this this foe and retained his soul. And it, it, it was an either way, it's a it's a great ending, right? But yes. according to this comic, it, it's wordless. Um, Elvis didn't die at the end of the movie, but was revived by the nurse, and they collected Bubba Hotep's smoldering body parts. And they dressed them in the king's jumpsuit and put them in the grave intended for Sebastian Half. So the king went on to live his life while everyone thought Sebastian Half was dead and buried into the, in, in, the, in the grave. It's, it's a pretty brilliant twist on what was already established with the movie. Uh, I, is it any surprise that I thought this issue was phenomenal? It is not a surprise. No, no, right? Um it's 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 a hell of a lot of fun it's especially if you enjoy the movies on which this um the the comic is based but i gotta say 
I, I think the art by Vincenzo Federici is a cut above the usual Dynamite Fair. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, it's very well done. Um, th- like I said, there are a little, there's a gaff in the sequentials here or there. Like, I don't know how JFK's body got in the room, if that is JFK body. Who else could it be? I mean, there was no one in the room with Ash and the King when they were doing their little thing, right? Right. And and specifically to make it an African-American man with white hair, like that just – and he looks to be well-dressed because Ozzie Davis in the movie is dressed to the nines. Like he has beautiful suits. Um, and so that – I'm I'm going to go with that's JFK. I don't know why yet, but let's, let's just run with it. I'll back you up on that. Yeah, and I think the coloring is um, atypical for this kind of work. This is not a dark book at all. It could have been much, much darker, but there's a, it's, it's almost pastelli, which is very surprising, right? Yeah. I thought it was great. A little dot pattern here or there, ashes in true form, you know, um, and Elvis is, is, is overweight and out of shape and, and just like he was in the movie. It, it's, it was a great little comic. And then you have the cliffhanger at the end, which is like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm in. Was it, was it four issues? Six issues? Uh, if I know Dynamite, it'll probably be either five or six. They don't really tend to do many four-issue ones. Because then you get this that vague trade pricing. Whether, you know, what do you charge? seventeen ninety nine for a four-issue trade? or Because most of their trades are nineteen ninety nine. So I'm I'm guessing that they're going to go either five or six issues with this, but I don't know for sure. I I I wish they go a hundred issues with this. I'll read every one of them, and uh, it, I thought it was great. It, I, I didn't it hit I me didn't in the field. Finish the uh, the second season of um, Ash the 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 Ash show. So wasn't he in? Did that take place in Texas mostly? I believe so. Like, see, see now you're getting specific with the location, and right? Yes, yeah. so, I mean, because I just, I just don't, I don't recall, I don't know well enough if Texas is basically uh, where Ash tends to hang his hat. So I'm, not, I'm not trying to imply that this takes place right after, because obviously his cohorts aren't in this book. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm guessing this is a continuity that yeah uh, takes place had the the ash versus evil dead series never existed because ash right. is not as old as he is or as out of shape as he is in in um the the tv show the showtime thing so in, this looks when, like it happened right after army of darkness or but wasn't there a thing where he he couldn't have the um he couldn't have the hand. Wasn't there a rights thing that had to be hammered out in the comics so that you would actually see um, the the medieval hand? Yeah, as opposed to the, the hmm. chainsaw. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. I okay. I got to investigate that. I've never encountered anything about that. Okay. But I don't know. It's possible, right? I don't understand why a a chainsaw, which is you know, pretty like. See, I don't know if it's one of those things, just like the whole Viacom and Paramount and CBS rights with with the with the Star Trek franchise and how mm. you can have um, Viacom for the TV 
it, it's it's why Abrams had to kind of make the Kelvin verse because that's Paramount and and right. CBS is letting this. So it's it's. But I'm not. I mean, this. I'm not trying to bog down this this pretty cool little nifty fun story with with these. Yeah. You know legality bullshits but and and again the whenever Bubba Hotep speaks he speaks in hieroglyphics in the book and they're footnoted with yes, what he's are. actually saying which is kind of cool and, and again it's it's conceptually it works very well with what has come before um uh again take uh my distaste of labeling art highbrow or lowbrow or midbrow i don't make any distinctions art is art so Jason kind of chided me a little bit when I said I was going to bring this to the he's like oh yeah I'm right on it I'll, I'll I'll get right on that because this isn't exactly in Jason's wheelhouse see I don't know if you meant that or if you meant the movie uh, even so again Only because of the timeline the way things were but still yeah, no, no I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't think he, but if it was for the movie I didn't think that he was I didn't think he was being dismissive I think he he really would see the movie well, I mean, we all have our. But I look for the best of both of you. So. Yeah, we all have our sacred cows, and I just I I like the, the the stuff that makes me feel good, and this comic made me feel real good. Um, I am glad. It, it this is, you know, for someone who isn't super well versed in either in in the history of either um, concepts. Flipping through this, knowing that you were going to be talking about it, I still found it enjoyable. I know enough about Ash that you know I hear Bruce Campbell and 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 I know I know his mannerisms and and his attitude, especially with Ash vs. Evil. That I enjoyed that show a lot. Um, so having probably having never read any of the Dynamite Army of Darkness comic books. I thought this was a a um, this was fun. I, I, you know, going in pretty much blind, not knowing what to expect or or um, not having a whole lot of familiarity with it. It was um, it was still a good time. I thought so. Obviously, it's it's intended for people who are familiar with both concepts, but I think it's it's laid out well enough and. Um, is visually entertaining enough to yeah. to keep you to keep to keep you on board. Yeah, but I mean, if you aren't familiar with either characters from which this comic is is derived, you may have a bunch of questions going into this. Maybe not now that we talked about it, but I, I'm I'm talking about that person that doesn't listen to our show. God forbid. Um, picking this up, there may be like, what, what is going on? If you only know Ash and now Bubba Hotep, like you're missing a whole lot never having seen that film. And this is one of those things where I think what that, that Warren Ellis did so well with Planetary is, is I, I think if they, if Dynamite included a rundown mm-hmm. of, you know, the, you'd need a paragraph or two. Evil Dead stuff and, yeah. and, that that's probably what I was talking about, like the difference between Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. But, um, uh, but yeah, it it, would, it should definitely say you know for if if you're not familiar, this is what you know Bubba Hotep's about, and and a quick maybe little synopsis of the movie to get people up to speed. Not not a recap page, just at the end of the book, so you could say, hey, thanks for reading. If you're confused, blah blah blah. So they are taking it for granted that 
the only people buying this are people who saw the movie, of who saw the Boba Hotep movie, and who know, and, and maybe the readers of the Army of Darkness books that they've been publishing all along anyway. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you're a Bruce Campbell mark, you're going to want to have this. True. That's true. Yeah. And who I'm is it? I don't do a photo, photo cover for him. Well, with, what, with it being dynamite, you thought you would assume that they would. I mean, right? make a he could cosplay his own characters. It's like, I don't, that's just leaving money on the table. Right? Damn. Yep. You can have that one for free dynamite. They have stupid cosplay character, uh, costume covers for everything else. Yes. Yes. Red Sonya, Vampirella. Not necessarily stupid, but I mean, you know. No, it, they're it, silly. They're not, they're not the variants that I go for, but, you know, no, I, there's a mark for them. I mean, the Vampirella ones are okay, but the Red Sonya ones, like, they, they get – a lot of times they just don't work. Right. You know, I, I mean, the, yes, the women are attractive, but I, when I look at them, I don't think Red Sonia. Like, it takes a very special athletic build to be Red Sonia. Like, you can get any curvy, attractive woman to play Vampirella, and it'll work. But Red Sonia, you're thinking female Conan. Like, she has to have a certain body mass and, and muscle structure that m makes me believe that you're Red Sonia. Like, they're just attractive women who would probably die in a second on the battlefield. You know, it just doesn't work. I'm just saying. I hear you. Yeah. What you got? Well, I, um, I, I, I a couple things that I picked up this week. Um, you know, I already read, I discussed Wonder Twins number one. That was Man Your Travels in, in episode 589. Uh, when you wanted to toss out the, you know, First issue special, I, I looked to see, you know, what first issues came out last Wednesday. Um, and I went with um, Marvel Tales Black Widow. And this is basically, um, it's it's all reprint material. Yeah. But I, 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 I think I, I look at it in the same way I look at the... Um, the 999 DC books, the the mystery in Love and Space, and and Man and Superman, and 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 I think because those are like you know mini trades, they're they're just you know, but they're not actual trades, and um, and that's how I kind of viewed this. Although, like I said, it's entirely reprint material, and I didn't have time this weekend uh, because cats. But you have there are six stories in this book um starting with black widow's very first appearance from back in the golden age in mystic comics number four and unfortunately they do not um well in the uh they really don't give you the years when these issues were released so it's just like mystic comics number four with it, the it would have been nice but it's probably easy to to stick them into to you know, comic book TV or whatever, but that takes work, right? What but would it have taken have them these, to just put a, have these huge boxes of, the I know of each issue. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Or even, even at the top of the first page or the cover, right? Where you see the cover of, of each reprint, but I get you. Uh, tales of suspense, number 52. Yep. Uh, amazing adventures. Number one, which I think based on the story, I'm going to talk about, uh, 
was, I guess, supposed to originally be called Amazing Tales, or at least that's what Stan thought it was going to be in his footnotes. Marvel Fanfare number 10, which was the first issue of a, uh, I think it was three issues of a uh, of a Black Widow story, started off illustrated by uh, George Perez. It was an inventory story uh, with Brett breeding on inks. A hell of an inventory story. It really is. And uh, Red Widow First Strike. And those are your six stories and the one i'm going to talk about i didn't say well obviously those are your five stories the sixth is one i'm going to talk about that's from amazing spider-man number 86 written by stan lee penciled by john romita senior and inked by jim mooney uh sam rosen was your letterer and this is the reason why i chose this story out of the six um is that you cannot have in my mind as far as I'm concerned, you cannot give me a Marvel Tales comic and it not be about Spider-Man. Sure. Because in the eighties, I'd go to the newsstand and I'd buy Marvel Tales and it was, and I don't, I don't know how many times issue, you know, 129 or 121 or, or, or 80s. I don't know how many times 98 Marvel Tales last ran for so long that I'm, quite positive there were spider-man stories that were reprinted multiple times even though they tried to do in a chronological or numerical order from the original publishing it it just i I know that they've done each story most stories a couple of times in any event amazing spider-man number 86 is is pretty interesting because you have um black widow is uh kind of swings into town because she wants to know what makes Spider-Man tick. And it's, it's the weirdest thing, man. Like these are the kind of stories that I don't really know how well they'd fly today. But, um, the, the cover is a little misleading because you have, uh, Spider-Man leaping onto a wall and there's a shadow of the female form behind him and he's looking back and he says how can i fight her she's a female copy of myself and she really isn't but you're gonna think she is if you buy this issue and we 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 pick up after a what what appears to be what appears to have been a pretty intense battle between spider-man and kingpin spidey is still groggy as he's swinging through the city um holding his head and with, with those patented um, John Romita senior uh, hangover yep. bubbles. And it's, uh, I always think just, will of the wisp when I think, when I see those, I dig that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but black widow in her previous outfit with the fishnets and, and the cape and the funky mask, she sees Spider-Man um, and, she he's swinging by so fast he didn't notice her so so she's she's okay because you know while she's thinking about spider-man she's also wondering you know why why didn't she think of him before because he's perfect he he's 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 the answer to everything she needs um because she's decided to begin her career anew and she makes her way into her apartment and we get a quick little um recap of the past few years and uh she she was a spy uh in her native land behind the iron curtain uh where um 
her, uh, she and her husband were accompanied by Crimson Dynamo, who fought uh, Iron Man and uh, and Hawkeye. Unfortunately, Hawkeye basically became her undoing, and they uh, they 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 these enemies turned into star-crossed lovers. So she she um, she basically defected and went to work for um she she worked for shield so she took orders from nick fury she was an avenger um but her husband who was on that earlier mission is red guardian and he was killed um so she she couldn't bear all this tragedy so she um she left everyone who was a link to that tragic past and um and so you know after living the life of of luxury and and taking it easy um being madame natasha is 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 no longer all it's cracked up to be she needs more so um she she she's decided to become black widow once again so she even has she even designed her own new outfit which we get a nice little panel of um and after getting all of that out of his system, Stan reminds us all that it's a Spider-Man comic book and we see Spidey heading towards his apartment only to find out that his, the love of his life, the true love of his life, Gwen Stacy, <laughs> and her father, Captain Stacy, and Harry Osborne are in his apartment waiting for him. So he, uh, he grabs his clothes out of his room comes around the corner uh and peter parker shows up at home gwen is all happy to see him um her father though notices that pete's face is is rather bruised and he um he's just absent-mindedly forgot about his fight with the kingpin and he uh he he's just like yeah i i he, gwen thinks spider-man beat him up and he he can't really he's 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 kind of stuck because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lose so many loves and um he he doesn't you know if if he agrees with her and then all that just confirms is that you know she's she's right in that you know spider-man is a menace and and uh he's just he kind of lashes out just just briefly and and she's a little put off because like she can't believe he, he he reacted that way, but he kind of smooths it all over, and and she's just like, listen, she says, you know, if you promise me, you will have nothing ever to do with Spider Man because he's dangerous. Even take his photos, she's like, I can't. So so just you have to, you have to promise me, he's he's out of your life, and and something that was exploited to the nth degree once Mary Jane came into the picture and realized and you know she he fi- she figured out that and or was told that he was spider-man she always hit him with that i can't do it i can't right. do it with you being spider-man it's like poor peter he just want to do wants to do good right everybody's always but i love the reply um captain stacy where peter's oh, like, i understand son <laughs> It's a female. Yeah, I'm women, like, you know, it's women. Females. Yeah. <laughs> Things with their heart. So um, <laughs> it's just because cause Gwen, Gwen leaves. She's walking out of the apartment basically saying, you know, you can call me 
when you promise. So it doesn't don't don't call me to say hey, don't call me to ask me out or anything. Just as soon as I want to hear you say you promise you're done with Spider Man, that's the next call you make to me. Um, and 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 Cap Stacy's just like you know, listen, I know you love her, I know you'd never hurt her, but you know, chicks, man. So he uh, he's like you know, you're. She thinks you're keeping something from her, and that's hard for a woman to to take, especially one that loves you so hard. So, and of course, Peter now in the back of his mind is still thinking, you know, I'm pretty sure that man knows a little more than he's letting on. Um, so Peter figures, I'm just gonna, I need to rest up. I'm still a little out of it. I can't even really study. Um, but I just, I gotta. I got to think about not losing Gwen. I just, I need, maybe I'll just, I just need to chill. So while he's doing that, we cut back to Natasha, who's changing into her, the image of the new Black Widow. And um, we get a funky little Ohatmu style breakdown as she's getting dressed of all her, uh, all the accoutrement. And we see a nice little John Romita Jr. Jim Mooney pose of her looking in the mirror. And she decides to uh, test everything out by, I thought she was just kind of like flying into her closet, but I guess it was her um, her little makeshift danger room. Um, it's complete with a karate chop. And she leaves looking for Spider-Man. But J. Jonah Jameson notices her flying by. And now, of course, he's thinking that, you know, there's just a carbon copy probably to throw people off Spider-Man's trail. And he's using this woman and... It's just J. Jonah Jameson doing his thing. Peter kind of finally gives up trying to study because he did try. Uh, says, you know what, to hell with it. Maybe just, maybe I'll go for a swing. Maybe just the fresh air will do me good. I just got to, got to get out of here. And he does. He goes swinging through the city, ends up in front of J. Jonah Jameson's window. Um, they have the typical exchange and, Spidey decides, I'm going to go check on Aunt May. I'm going to go see Aunt May. <laughs> I'm going to go see her and freak her the fuck out. Yep. Pee my head in the window and cause this old woman to have a heart, another heart attack. And, um, well, he's, and so he re- he's not thinking clearly. He, obviously. And and so he, he, he quickly, quickly realizes his mistake and swings away. And that's when Black Widow finally attacks. And she, um, it's it's not exactly a Marvel team-up like fight it's just you know she she snags his ankle um he kicks his way free they have a uh short little exchange she sucker punches him with a kick uh and she tries she she uses his uh she uses her um her stingers he barely dodged him uh because you know now he's wondering what happened to his speed he's not quite at a hundred percent, my man is is definitely he's 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 slower. He is not his reflexes aren't as sharp, and he's just is the the I don't know vertigo's kicking in a little bit. He's just he's not able to swing well, and it's not his best day. So um, Black Widow ends up snaring him again. They're still talking to each other, and and she's trying to find out you know where his power's from and and she's it's almost as if she's going to dissect them because she wants you know in true black widow fashion she wants to basically just take him and and um find out 
how he is the way he is. He uh, he breaks free. He's basically just lulling her into a false sense and and uh, gums up her um, her her wrist blasters. So now now she's she's just she's like you know that that was basically all she had. So even though she had all this training with all this fighting, it's like once he took away her blasters, it's just like she's like I gotta get out of here, and and and, and she basically flees and and scurries away, um, and comes to the realization that, you know, it, it's the way he moves and the way he fights, the way he uses his strength. It's like he was born this way. You know, he, he, even though I have all my powers and all my training and I don't know what I got my powers through training. So, so, so basically she's obviously very agile and, 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 and she's an acrobat and, um, knows how to handle herself. Spider-Man, of course, is unique in the sense that he does have powers. He's, he's, he's a little bit, more than your average human. So she um she's just basically goes back to her apartment to sulk a little bit and um thinking about her next move but while we do that, we get a little footnote that says uh, Amazing Tales will be on sale in early May. This is basically Stan's way of saying, "Hey, this was the pilot for the Black Widow spin-off. That that's what we use this issue of Amazing Spider-Man for." So if you enjoyed Black Widow here, although I really don't know what you would, You'll go ahead and you'll pick up Amazing Tales, although I think that was actually called Amazing Adventures. But in any event, we go back to the greatest one of all, as it should be, and we see Spider-Man after the fight with Black Widow. He um, he's, he's glad the fight's over because he's in no shape to continue it. Uh, he wouldn't be ready for a rematch right now. He's just um, got to make his way home as soon as possible and uh he draws blood because he wants to know if maybe he's used up all his spider power if 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 his power is leaving him if he's done um he needs to know so he draws blood puts it under the microscope but he cannot look he's just he's he's he keeps stalling he keeps hesitating he doesn't know he he wants to know, but he doesn't want to know. And he um, he's like, after all these years, when I've secretly wished I could be normal like everyone else, now that there's a chance of my wish coming true, is that what I'm really afraid of? And we see next, Unmasked at Last. Uh, although this particular story, since it's a Black Widow-centric special, it says, continued in Black Widow, The Sting of the Widow premiere hardcover. And that, I want to say, is one of the best things about this reprint collection is that at the end of each story, they're letting you know where you can continue it, which doesn't happen all that often. No. It should, but it doesn't. It absolutely should. So kudos yeah. to them for doing that. I, I think that was great. The Because um, even even the other, and, and yes, Amazing Adventures number one, is the next story, uh, and it reprints the the Black Widow story that was um, illustrated by John Bushima and John Verporten, and you know I think and and it pretty much it seems to take place right after the Spidey story because it recaps that little encounter, um, and she's in the apartment there and whatnot. But yeah, I think this was a um, I think the idea of the collection is pretty cool. I we talked about Captain Marvel in the last episode and how Carol Danvers was never really a character that I, Oh, the news Carol Danvers comic is out. I got to get it. Dad, that was never a feeling I had. And black widow, as much as I 
knew of her from her time as the Avengers or from hanging out with Daredevil, especially when Frank Miller was writing the book. Um, yeah, Black Widow was just she was she was a supporting character. She she would show up from time to time. I never considered her a character based on how I know her to carry her own series or that. Uh, and this is even before the Avengers movie, so it's not like I'm thinking that oh, I just shoved her in there so this way you know there's a woman in the movie. It's just she was just a character that never really she 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 serves a purpose depending on the story with the whole spy thing and and there are some very cool things you can do with her but it was just one of those things where it's just like okay well black widow's in this book it's the same way i would think you know that you know willie lumpkin's delivering the mail it's just it's but remember again comics especially during this period were, were a boys club and women were pretty much relegated to supporting roles so uh, they didn't really explore everything they could have with the Black Widow. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, um, which you got to give props to the the Avengers movies because I think Natasha has never been more vivid than she is in the in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but you Spider Man or Peter doesn't have to worry about Captain Stacy very much because he doesn't make it past issue ninety. Is not no, and uh, and Peter's questions are answered when um, in in Captain Stacy's final panels as well. Yep, but this issue for me, I mean, I read the whole thing, and I think it's saying something when you have legendary powerhouses like John Basima and George Perez and. Ramita Sr. outshines them all. Like, this issue stops you dead in your tracks. That absolutely does. Yeah. Even with the, the modern recoloring. Yeah. It's... Um, John Basima's Black Widow, while attractive, mm-hmm. and in the Basima mold, is nothing compared to Ramita's Black Widow. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. Um and he the, runs the risk of duplicating Mary Jane, but his his Black Widow doesn't really look like Mary Jane. Like, yes, they shared red hair, okay, mm-hmm. but her facial features are very different from Mary Jane's. Don't you think? Her oh, very eye, much so. Her eyebrows yeah. are, are more more the more at a, an extreme angle. Um, her mouth is different than Mary Jane's. I mean, Ramita was is. Uh, Man, if there's a comic book uh, pantheon, Ramita's got to be on it. I'm not. I'm not I don't want to over overshadow John Basima because he's great. But I mean, if you're talking Spider-Man and and his ilk, I don't think anybody was better illustrating those characters or setting the mold for those characters than Ramita. Yes, Ross Andrews, my dude, and and only well for one reason because that was my first introduction to to the the big picture spider-man but um i think ramita he's he's like a force to be reckoned with with this issue his the black widow she's thin and and sultry and and acrobatic and it's just it's amazing she definitely fills out the suit yeah no it's it's if it was it almost uh, i kind of overlook 
how it was basically just made. This issue was, was basically intended to just set you up sure. for a new ongoing. It's easy for me to overlook that because of the way Bermuda lays it all out. Oh, and yeah, it's, perf- it's perfect. It's yeah. the, 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 There's really no – story-wise, I mean, yes, it's and, – and that's one of those things where I don't – I would think that there could have been better ways to try to get Black Widow into a confrontation with Spidey. I mean, for Stan to have this whole, I I, I want to see what makes him tick. And um, of all the of, of all the heroes that you see who have to fight before they team up to take on the bad guy, this was one of those that that, that felt the most forced. And it's. Again, it's easy for me to kind of just shrug it off because, you know, Romita draws Black Widow. We get to see Gwen briefly. We get to see, you know, we still get to see a day in the life of Peter Parker's, oh, God, why does my look so crappy life? And yeah. and that that makes a Spidey book for me. So I, I really have no complaints with this issue. Again, it's a Marvel Tales book. Got to read the Spidey story. and um, And I agree with you 100% because, yeah, you know, Bushima's Bushima, and even the mm-hmm. and the the Marvel fanfare story. It's Perez, but it's it's early Perez, and it's it's even though this issue I believe was published after yeah because Marvel fanfare was started getting published after the New Teen Titans released, but this was back when George was still working at Marvel, back when he was doing Fantastic Four and things like that. So it's it's older Perez when he was much younger. It's it's not it's not like Back when the he got the dragon by the or, panel, or <laughs> it's it's not you know it's we're we're not talking about his first his first work in in the black and white magazines, but it's still his early George Perez stuff, and so it's not as sharp as what you'd see in in Avengers or JLA Avengers or or any of his cross gen stuff. You know things that you might look at and say that's that's really polished Perez. I mean, for me, is duty tights it can't be touched, but you have. Um, and even here, he doesn't do the whole story because the second chapter is by Bob Layton and um, Luke McDonald, which still looks cool, but it's not Perez. So no. again, though, to to just reinforce what Vincent said, yes, the the Amazing Spider-Man issue is the standout out of the six that are included in this oh, book. Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of George. I I, I like his work a lot. But you have to admit the cover is hideous. Oh, with just the webs, yeah, I yeah, do not like this it's, cover at all. It's just hideous. The other chapters were much better. I don't know what the hell she had to do with Wildfire. I don't know why she had to take him out like that. But... <laughs> the crossover, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not really feeling the um the big reveal when she gets out of the shower and she's all wet and and she was still able to put on her suit while she's soaking wet. But that's she's a little thick. that's a red Sonia body. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah she's a little thick. But that's okay. But that's okay. It's, it's still George, it's, and yeah. there's still detail in the in the frame behind her and in, in the picture frame. It's like, dude. I mean, like, but again, so it's. Yep. But no, this was you know I I don't, you know if if you if you haven't read a whole if you're interested in Black Widow, then I think this Marvel Tales book would probably um, suit you because, like I said, at the end of each story, it lets you know where you can continue things. So. Um, if there's something you see here that you want to read more of, they're pointing you 
in the right direction. So I really can't. Um, no. I think uh, the, the packaging and, and the presentation of it all wor- works pretty well. It, it's not. This isn't the definitive um, Black Widow collection. It's just you know, it's it's it with Marvel's 80th anniversary as the back cover claims. Um, it's the return. It, it's the return of Marvel Tales, which um, and this anthology. This anthology series shines a spotlight on fan favorite characters, features timeless stories, and highlights some of Marvel's most impressive talent from the past eight decades. And um, yep, I think it's I, I want to see more of it. Yeah, it would be nice to get a, a bunch of these because uh, first, if you were to buy most of these issues, it would set you back a hell of a lot more than what you're paying for the cover price of this thing. And um, which I think was what seven ninety nine nine ninety nine I don't even know, um, but the thing to me, when you look at the last story, the Red <laughs> Widow first strike by uh, Margaret Stoll and and Nico Leon, it there's there's a clear cut difference between the way comics used to be done and the way they're done now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and and I'm not saying that the the Red Widow story is bad. It's just that the uh, the approach is nowhere near the traditional Marvel approach, which is exemplified in the stories that preceded it. So, um, two tastes that uh, um, may taste great together, but um, you can definitely make out which came first. Yes, you know. So there you go. I have um, one more before we we, uh, wrap this bad boy up. Okay. (laughs) It's going to definitely be a a case of your mileage may vary. Yeah, and I think after you go into it, I'll I'll touch on why it didn't float my boat. But please, I want to hear from someone who enjoyed it. Speaking of Red Sonja, there's a dude that she kind of hobnobs with, and that dude is Conan. And uh, last week saw the release of Savage Sword of Conan, number one, written by Jerry Dugan, with uh, art by Ron Garney. And the color was done by a very laid-back and atypical, in my opinion, Richard Isenov. Isenov kind of commands attention. Look at his work with Bagley on... uh, um, Ultimate Spider-Man, that is not the – even the stuff for um, the Dark Tower. That is yeah, not, the J. Lee stuff. Yeah. yeah, that is not the Richard Eisenhower you're seeing here. Um, story opens. Uh, we got a slave ship named the Ouroboros, and there was a prolonged sea battle um, with pirates, and Conan is adrift at sea. He's clinging to this debris, and he's chowing down on sharks, and – he, he's out in the sun and his strength is waning and the sun's beating down on him and he's getting sick um, and the stress is taking its toll. And here comes this, this slave ship and they, they fish him out of the water and they, they throw him on board and they shackle him to a, a slave named Suti. And this guy, uh, he's enterprising. He offers the captain, he says, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll get this guy back into shape and you can sell him as a slave uh, in exchange for you making me a member of the crew. And the captain's like, yeah, 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 just do it. We'll see what happens. 
So after a couple of days of fever, Conan finally overcomes the the sickness and he snaps back to reality. And the, as expected, you know, the, the Sumerian does not take kindly to uh, to being chained. So uh, he picks a fight with this asshole guard. Doesn't have a key to open to unlock the chain. They're chained to the deck of the ship. The in in the bowels of the ship, they're chained to the deck, and um, doesn't have a key to open the the lock, chaining them to the deck. So he picks a fight with his asshole guard, and he, first he breaks the guy's leg, and then he snaps his finger off, and he uses the finger bone to pick the lock, securing the chain he shares with Suti to the deck. I mean, it's typical Conan. If he doesn't have a key, he's going to make a freaking key with anything. And it just happens this guy's bone did the trick. Um, so Conan heads topside while he's still chained to Suti, and he begins to do what Conan does so well. He's chopping at guys and, and beating the shit out of them, throwing guys overboard. He's just on a, on a spree. And he makes his way to the captain's chamber, and he finds out that the captain is more than he seems. Captain's a serpent dude who was wearing a human skin suit. Um, and Conan easily bests the creature. He doesn't put up too much of a fight. Conan just throw he he pushes his sword through the, the creature's eye and he pins him to the, the hull of the ship. And shit gets on fire. The the ship is burning and Conan grabs the key to his chains and uh this very ornate a uh, very interesting looking chest with a serpent on top of it. And uh, Conan takes the chest and the key and he gets topside and there's more fighting and uh-oh, he loses the key. And and he and Suti are forced to jump ship. And the Suti guy isn't very good at anything. He can't fight very well. He can't swim. So Conan is dragging this this slave who nursed him back to health and the chest and he's trying to trying to swim and he's exhausted and they make it to this island and they just collapse and Conan wakes up and he and he finds Suti banging at the chest trying to get what's inside he's like fuck you it's my chest get the hell out of here and he rips open the lock and looks inside and it's full of sand the chest is full of sand like what the hell is going on so Conan takes his, the chest and spills it out and when he does that Something within the sand, there's some mystical thing going on where Conan's third eye is opened and he's, he gets visions and uh, he sees the future. Um, he sees visions of this beautiful woman. He gets this, this mental imprint of a map and he sees this strange new enemy, right? And that's kind of, sort of, where the issue lets off. But um, I am a admirer of Mr. Garney's work. This doesn't look like unless you're you're talking the black back in black era Garney on Amazing Spider-Man, this is a very loose, very free, very expressionistic Mr. Garney and I thought it looked great. It's very dark in spots, but once you once you're below deck on the ship, it's very dark. He uses a lot of black. But then when they go topside, it's beautiful. Like there's a, a, a full page splash of Conan clinging to the, the debris and you see the ship in the background. It's just great. It's beautiful. Um, and there are flourishes of, of beauty in this thing. When, when Conan's out of it, he's all friggin' hazy and his mind is addled and he looks up and he sees the slavers on the deck of the ship. He sees them as like these skeleton 
pirate type things and it's the the coloring and the line work is just gorgeous and light and airy but then it turns dark once he gets in the bowels of the ship and i i don't know i thought it was neat it's it's very scribbly in spots which is is ballsy considering marvel just got the license to conan and they're trying to exploit that license as much as they can what with them being marvel um you would think that garney would take a more traditional approach to illustrating Conan, but that, I mean, the, the figure drawing is great, but it's, it's loose and it's, it's, uh, at times scratchy and scribbly and, um, which makes me th- wonder if it's not digital because there's a lot of overlay work in this. There's a lot of white on black, which is not easily done. Well, it is the, the, the manner by which it's done here is not easily done traditionally. It's very easy to get a white brush and go over black in Photoshop, you know? And that's, I, that I think that, that a lot, that's a lot of what I'm seeing here is, um, digital work. I could be wrong, but I don't know. Um, and the, the layouts are phenomenal. I just think it's a, it's a great looking book, but if you're looking for traditional Ron Garney, it doesn't, that doesn't fit. This doesn't fit the mold of, of traditional, what we've known, from Ron Garney. This is a, like I said, it's a more airy, more loose. Um, it's more in the vein of Joe Kubert. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Is, great. is this similar to what he did on uh, Scar? Which Scar? The Sun oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, it's looser than that, still, but no, this is much looser than that. Right, right. It, I mean, he's 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 using. It's almost like these are breakdowns that were supposed to be inked. Oh uh, yeah, I don't want to go that far, but I mean, I I think it's he's there's an economy of of line here. On the one hand, he's 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 making very deliberate, very um, free marks, but he's not doing a lot of them. But then uh, I'm a liar because that's where. Suti's back is unfinished, and but you only know because of his skin tone, and then the background is the sky. So if this was a black and white, they're just there are. I'm not gonna call them shortcuts, but yeah, the, everything. I it, it's a deliberate look, but yeah, it's it's to me it's it's a bit un unfinished. What what caused me to not want to read it was was the look of it. I I think. I think Ron's style would have been great for black and white had the had the line work looked a bit more I don't want to say finished. I, I I don't dislike the the way he drew characters. I just I didn't necessarily enjoy the shorthandedness of it. And it's um but if it were black and white, I would have probably forgiven it. But obviously, this particular story, the way he drew it, needed color because because things would have been a little. Um, you wouldn't have had the the color definitely helps when it comes to um, depth and the some of the some of the characters. But overall. Um, I just I I can see it's Garney. I can see Ron Garney here, 
but I, it's it's just not really a Garney that um, I would have I was expecting when I hear Garney's going to be drawing Conan. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you because you know your feelings are your own, but I don't see this as unfinished at all. No, I think this is yeah. Not the splash page. It's the splash page where he's on where where, where he's having lunch and um on on good old shark fin and and it, but yeah no there's i definitely you know, if if you were telling me that this was a cubert book i'd have been like yo this is great but then then to find out it's there's just yeah i mean i it all makes sense it's he he's still telling a sequential story and 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 there's nothing wrong with the way he's telling the story it's just um I guess my my expectations. If you held Mahmoud's approach to Conan and Garney side by side, the one that breaks with tradition is Mahmoud's. Yes, yes, Mahmoud's is yeah. is here is is um, I'm going to say polished only because of 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 the final the final presentation. Um, Garney's style is more suited to what you'd expect from a Conan story. Uh, yeah, and I mean, especially Savage Sword. I mean, this looks like a lot of the stuff that was published um, in the magazine. Uh, it was th- this is very inky and very dark. But he knew he was working for Four Color. He knew he yeah. was working with Richard Eisenhoff. So yep. he, you could tell that the approach to the each the design approach was. Uh, very much intended to be this way, where he leaves Eisenhoff a lot of space to do what he does, and he only throws down the marks he deems are necessary to convey what's going on in each panel. Yeah, I, I, I love the look of this thing. That makes me happy. No, yeah, it's good. I mean, hey, you know, uh, we each have uh, our... our uh, our loves and I love messy. I do too. Immediate stuff, and I just I I, I don't see um, you know I I don't see I mean, a, listen, a I, lot of I shortcuts here. I, In fact, I don't see any shortcuts here. When I when I say shortcuts, I don't. The let's see. It's not even it's it's not even shortcuts because it's similar to the way. Um, Chris Somney approaches a page where if if you know if Daredevil's going to be fighting underground and there's going to be a lot of black there, then then Chris is training your eyes to look for the the shining light, and and that would be you know Daredevil opening a door or something like that. The, Garney's doing the same thing here, like when when someone where was it? Uh, like when he's chained with just just the shadows. Whereas other artists might spend a lot of time noodling over the the figure in the shadows, Garney knows you're not. It's still shadows, so you're not going to see a lot of detail. So why why waste the time on that? And I'm not. And that's yeah. You know, I I think it's it's weird. It, it's it's not. It's almost somewhat hypocritical because I'm someone who absolutely adores. Gil Kane and Steve Dillon. And these are dudes who 
basically, for to put it bluntly, it looks like they inked sometimes with Sharpies and not the fine tips. So for me to say that, you know, I'm looking for, for detail or something a little, a a little more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, but again, I saw this and, and I was just, and it's not like I was comparing it to Bushima or even Mahmoud stuff or, or Chan. It's just, I saw this and I'm, I, I just, I could not, it was, it, it's, it was a little too rough for me. Okay. Well, you know what? Yeah, too I rough. Th- that, I think it's, I think it's fair to say, um, that you didn't enjoy the presentation. That's enough, right? You, yeah. You, I mean, do you have to give reasons? Yeah, it helps when you're trying to convey why you didn't enjoy it. But I, I think it's enough to say, you know what? I, I, I didn't really enjoy this, especially coming off Mahmoud's approach. Right. And even though, yes, and even though I, I, I love Mahmoud's approach, this is I'm not trying to, I'm not the last thing I want to do is come across as though like, oh, this is just something else that Ron did I didn't like. I, I lo- you, you mentioned Back in Black. I think that, you know, when Reinhold inked him on those Spidey issues, they were amazing. Garney, I think, was inked by Dan Green when he wrote, when he drew JLA, when Busiek was writing it. That was, that wasn't as fine. But it still it it still looked like Garney, and then of course you know he did Men of Wrath, and 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 Garney's been steady working. But yeah, then and I just yeah, so it's it's it's, I guess, it's like when you know I saw Romita Junior after Amazing Spider Man, and then he went to the X Men, and I was like, I don't this this isn't the same dude, and I'm not saying that this isn't the same dude with guard with with Ron Garney, but yeah, no. I'm not trying to belabor the point. You're right. Yeah, I, yeah it's just you, I, you would prefer it look a different way. That's that's that, that's fine, right? Right. You know what else is fine? What else is fine? Saving some money on some comic books. That's always super fine. And there's only one place to really do that, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Write these down from Image Ascender Number One for a dollar ninety nine from Ahoy Comics Wave Two um Bronze Age Bookie number one two dollars and nineteen cents and Mary Shelley Monster Hunter number one from Aftershock will cost you a paltry, a measly, a pittance a dollar ninety nine. There's really seriously nowhere else to go to save this much on your books. DCBService.com Well nice. my in keeping with the theme of this episode, I uh, have a number one for my In Your Travels, but it didn't come out recently. It came out a couple couple weeks ago. Um, it is from Dynamite Again, written by Mr. Ron Mars, one of the vets. I guess he's one of the old timers now, as far as comics go, right? Yes. Yeah. Illustrated, magnificently illustrated by Roberto Castro, and uh, color art by Salvatore Ayla. And it is Turok, number one. There's a massive deviation going on. If you have read the, not the Valiant, we're not going there. If if you've read the original Turok, the Dell Turok, um, there's a big difference between that Turok and Dynamite's Turok. In the original Turok, they, Turok and his, his, his brother, um, Andar, 
they 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 find this underground stream uh underground river and that transports them to the this pre the prehistoric world in which they traipse around for how many issues uh dynamite's approach is uh to set it more in the time of the white man whereas the dell version specifically said in the time before the arrival of the white man um and then Turok's adventures begin where in dynamite's Turok it starts um in 1873 specifically colorado and you have a union soldier Captain Connors, and he has Andar captive. He's dragging the boy along on a rope. He's on horseback, dragging the boy along. And um, Turok saves the day. He 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 comes in and he uses the uh, landscape to plug a bunch of Union soldiers with arrows. Uh, saves his younger brother. Steals. Well, he doesn't steal. He 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 uses Captain Connors's horse, and uh, gets the hell out of there. And Connors and his men give chase, um, eventually coming to a, a fork in the canyon road. And there's uh, obviously a left and a right. What do we take? Um, there's a mysterious stranger clad in black following the whole um, proceedings. But Connors um, goes uh, in one direction and he, he and his men are attacked by a velociraptor. What the hell? You know, that's a mighty big lizard, y'all. Uh, what, what, what the hell? I've never seen a lizard that big. Um, and Turok and, and Andar are on the run and they can't go back because they realize they're being followed. And so they, they get to a point where there's a portal and they go through the portal and step into a prehistoric world to get a nice double page splash with brontosaurs and triceratops and pterodactyls and everything you're going to see. Uh, in future issues, and what do you know, Captain Connors, and uh, it's unclear, but some of his men follow, and that's the setup. And uh, I enjoyed it very much. I very think, nice. Yeah, I think uh, Roberto Castro, whom we saw on Red Sonia from Dynamite, is going to be a powerhouse once he uh, once he gets recognized for his uh, exemplary work. Um, you're going to see Roberto Castro. Um, on a big two book, I bet, I bet, yep, he's he's magnificent. Little bit, there are shades of Neil Adams in this book. Uh, what with the the dynamic anatomy and the way he poses his figures in in Neil Adams esque poses, and it's just it's just wonderfully illustrated. I liked it a lot, and I got a soft spot for Turok. You do, yeah, That's but great. but if you're a Valiant fan, you're not going to see any of that. Here, this is this is in the the Dell mold, um, without the uh, Dell premise. It's it's Turok and his brother, younger brother Andar, uh, traipsing around this prehistoric world, and they just so happen to be dogged by a Union soldier, who hates anything. Appear apparently he hates anything that's not white. So, it, it may be um, a nice little playground to get into the uh, problems with uh, racism. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's off to a great start. Turok number one from Dynamite. Excellent. Yep. Um, I'm going to be quick. Uh, not going to talk about the one I was planning on talking about because I really want to go into that, and I really want Vince to read it, so hopefully one day. But um, 
This is, in keeping with the theme, and number one that came out a couple of weeks ago from Dark Horse. This is Weird, number one, by Kurt Pyers and Antonio Fuso. Weird, uh, W-Y-R-D, is somebody who really, I don't want to say he doesn't break. He can break. He just can heal. We start off by seeing someone getting run over, um, getting hit and tossed in the air by a car, um, only to a short while later, bones mend and skin is blemish free. Um, and it looks like he does work for, um, for some agencies and he is sent to, uh, Crimea to, um, kind of look for what they consider a monster who's kind of um, taken care of um, it, there's a, uh, a bioweapon is, is on the loose and, and uh, has killed many, many people. So that needs to be cleaned up before, uh, according to a weird handler, he says uh, before anyone of real importance takes note so weird goes to uh Crimea faces the monster um dispatches the monster and we um the story is told very in a way that I, it, it has a very Warren Ellis like approach the, from from the concept to the way the story is told uh, um I agree. The part of it reminds me of global frequency to 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 a great degree, um, but you know you would think that okay, so here's just somebody because this is kind of weird for a dark horse comic for someone who's like kind of you know indestructible. But here's somebody who just you know broken bones, they heal. Uh, I'm going to throw him at messes and and have him clean it up. But the kind of um, what's the hook, what, what what makes me want to continue to read, what makes me want to get issue two when it comes out, is that the end of the issue, after Weird takes care of uh, the bioweapon, we cut to 1942, and we see Weird um, on the beach looking out with who seems to be the love of his life, probably his wife, and they're talking about bringing a child into this world. And, um, and he... Uh, you know he's 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 the pessimist and and he's not you know really interested in bringing a child into this world um it's you know it it's she her argument is that you know the world is cruel you're right it's vile um but that's not what a child is and and a child is hope a child is love uh, it's a dream of a better future uh so basically she talks him into Yes, it is a good thing if we decide if if, if we have a child. Um, so he concedes, and they're going to go forward and have a baby, and that's the end of the issue. But we um, we don't quite know why Weird is the way he is, or I mean, hey, maybe maybe Weird's the child. I don't know yet, but I I'm. 
it was the, the last couple of pages that was like, now I want to, I, I want to see where we're going with this. I mean, I like the idea already, you know, you have somebody who, and, and especially when, when he gets hit by the car, when, when he gets beat up by, um, let's say the monster, you know, you see, you get like a little bit of a close up on a panel of you, you see the wrist break, you see the ankle snap. And I mean, not in gory detail, it's like x-ray images where you know you just see the bones have been shattered but um that's that's cool enough on its own that that's that those are concepts that i kind of i i think are neat um being a comic book fan but um once once you get into it he's not just somebody who's here and we're just going to have his story and this is how it is now in the present day this is who he we're actually going to get a little bit of of some backstory and that's that that right there is um is kind of where where pyres hooked me so i'm going to check it out it looks to be uh, this is part one of four so whether it's just a four issue miniseries i missed the solicit i do not know but um it's it it, it was interesting enough so i'm um don't know how many other people have read it but uh i would recommend it so in your travels weird number one yeah i enjoyed it but it's like Fuso has multiple personality disorder. Where, okay. Whereas you get like it starts off very decompressed. Yeah. There, there's one. There's a splash page, and there's like four panels, and there's four panels, and there's another splash page, and then then you get a scattered like there's one page that has like nine panels on it, and 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 eight panels, and then it goes. Then there's one page. What's the Adato like? Yeah, there's one page with stop. There's one page with twelve panels or nine panels, and then it opens up again, three panels, four panels, and then it c- compresses again, where you get a bunch of. And I don't know if it was at the behest of of uh, Pyres. Maybe I, I would guess, right? I, I haven't read anything else by Pyres. I don't think so. I don't know if it's his style. Um, it just but, seemed well, like okay. like all over the place in, in terms of the momentum of the thing. You know, which it, maybe that's to keep you off balance, which is perfectly acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know until I see the next issue. It's just um, things like this I like to read all at once. Oh, same here. You same know, here. just so you get the benefit of, of di- di- eating the whole meal. Instead like you, of may just, not, you may not hear me talk about two and three until four comes out. Right, right, yeah. right. I, I didn't dislike it. I thought, but it just, it just, it has me on edge because it, it, it speeds up and it slows down. It speeds up and, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's scattershot, which is, might have, may have been intended by the creative team. We'll see when issue two comes up, but I thought it was cool. I like the premise a lot. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I at least want to bring attention to it because I don't, I'm not saying this is going to be on anybody's Klosker's list. It may be, but oh, it's still one of those things where, you know, I, yeah, we don't know where it's going yet. So it's entirely possible, but, since I haven't seen much talk about it, I um, at least wanted to make people aware of it. So I um, for you. I don't know when the second issue ships, but yeah, I I, I dug it. But um, yeah, hopefully after we're done tonight, I'll, I can urge Vince in a couple of weeks to read what I want him to read. I didn't. Again, I only read what I read for tonight <laughs> because because um, the weekend was crazy. But I had homework because of our guest on the next episode. Right. And I'm trying to get through our book of the month at the end of the month. So there's... What do you mean trying to get through? It's only six issues. No, it's eight, bro. Is it really? Yes, it's the six plus, what is it, Rising and... Oh. uh, 
Right. So and, they, I didn't, yeah, I don't know what's in and, the trade. I have it. And the it, Wild Hunt. It's Lost and the Wild Hunt. Oh, okay. Or is it the Batman Who Laughs? Yeah, I see. I don't even, I got, I got to look at the list again. But yeah, so I mean, but no, I, so every time, so yes, even though I'm still trying to read stuff for a new comic book, you know, so, but I, we still have, I still have to make sure we're on point for. Right. So drop the bomb. What do you want me to read? Man and Superman. Oh, okay. That's not, you're not going to have to twist my arm. It's Marv okay. Wolfman, right? It is Marv Wolfman. Yeah, hey, I'll read that. Beautiful art by um, uh, Claudio. Um, damn it. Claudio um, Castellini. Thank you. Jesus. Oh, nice. I, I was right there. But yeah, no, the art is fantastic. But it is. But, but for anybody who's not aware of it, um, this was originally supposed to be in the Superman Confidential series that DC uh, launched over a decade ago. And when that series was canceled, of course, this story was shelved. Um, but Marv explains things in the introduction, which is really cool. But I thought the story was, it's, there's, it, it follows the burn reboot, but not, it's not retelling that. It's I, I I like this better than Superman for All Seasons, and I really like Superman for All Seasons. It's one of the better Logan sales stories, but this I think um, it. Not that I'm trying to compare the two, but it, it was the only thing that really kind of came to mind, and Man and Superman I think blows it away. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, I'm on it. Cool. Okay, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us all the time. We love you so much. If you'd like more of this when we're not actually giving you audio, if you'd like to experience more 11 o'clock comics, come to our Facebook page, come to our Twitters. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 110CLOCKCOMICS. That's 11 o'clock comics with the one and the one. Um, and we will give you big old welcoming hugs because the more the merrier, right? In the meantime, and thanks, Jason. In the meantime, tag it, bag it, uh, say goodnight, David. Short and sweet like this episode. Wow. Hey. I don't know how short it was, but goodnight, David. Yes. We'll see you, people. Come back. We got a big, big thing planned for next time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. I think it'll be real cool. And Jason may be here. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you might show up for it. <laughs> All right. Say bye. Latest.